This is episode one of the Educator's Companion to PD. Today we're going to talk about the six steps to creating a personalized learning plan. Entertaining, educational, and encouraging professional development that makes a difference in classrooms and schools around the globe. This is the Educator's Companion to PD podcast with your host, Judy Amamadine, an international teacher, innovator, and provocateur whose mission is to help you grow and be empowered as an educator. She shines the spotlight on free to low-cost PD so that you can become more effective as an educator, bringing you amazing resources and training that help you level up your professional learning and practice. So now, here's your companion and host, Miss Judy. Hey everyone, this is Judy Amamidine, your companion and host on the Educator's Companion to PD podcast. Before we start to deep dive into all the great resources, I really want to share with you a structure to unlock your potential that I call the professional learning plan. I know, it's not very sexy sounding, but I'm telling you, it's a very practical framework that you can use as a map for your learning journey. So today's focus, we're going to be discussing why you need to create a personalized learning plan for your PD and what is the framework and how to get the most out of your learning. So let's begin. Why do you need to create a personalized learning plan? Unfortunately, for many teachers today, professional development is viewed more as an exercise in compliance rather than an opportunity to improve their practice. Research has shown that the way in which schools and districts deliver professional learning is often highly fragmented and is characterized by big disconnects between decision makers and the classroom teacher. So I was surprised and disappointed to find out that only 29% of teachers are actually satisfied with their current professional development offerings, with a third of all teachers stating that they don't even believe the professional development is helping them to prepare for the changing nature of the profession. And this includes the use of technology and digital learning tools, analyzing student data to differentiate instruction, as well as implementing the curriculum. So although there is a variety of professional development formats, such as professional learning communities and coaching, which all of these are becoming very mainstream, there still is an extraordinary amount of teachers that still feel like they aren't growing and they're becoming uh, less effective in their classrooms as a result of the stagnation. Perhaps this is because they have limited, if any, choice. Fewer than one in three teachers actually have a voice in their professional development. Yet what we do know is that the teachers who actually have choice are more likely to engage seriously in their professional learning and improve their craft. Um, I can absolutely relate to the struggle of making professional development meaningful in schools. As a curriculum coordinator, I'm involved in the planning of professional development for my school. We look at data, we do surveys, we have PD committees, we have PLCs, we have collaborative planning meetings. Man, we really try to tick all the boxes. But the truth is that it's really difficult to move students forward without addressing the specific needs of a teacher, and we often make generalizations when it comes to professional development decisions. You know, we talk a lot about differentiation for students, but we rarely talk about that for teachers. 
And now the research shows that the increasing amount of self-guided online resources combined with the individual teacher's innate desire to focus is really making um, extremely uh, great gains in our classrooms that they set the professional goal. It improves the quality of learning in the classroom overall. So this is really good news, right? Teachers who are learners, they can shift from mediocrity to expert status when they are motivated towards a professional goal that is meaningful and timely for their growth in an area of specific interest. And we all know passionate teachers create classrooms of awesomeness. It is precisely why I made this podcast, and it's precisely why I want to help you to create a personalized professional learning plan. Because you can move from good to great in no time whatsoever when you have a framework that supports your growth. So this professional learning plan, um, it has been created from a mashup and combines the ideas of Google, the methods of Tim Ferriss, and Josh Kaufman as well as stealing from the playbook of the personal learning plans that we actually use for our students. Uh, Today, I'm going to share with you a six-step process for creating your plan and four tips to help you become successful in executing it. So let's begin. Step one, start with the end in mind by creating a goal. You have to have a destination in mind when you embark upon a learning journey. So think about what worries you about your learners or what excites you in education. Then create a goal around that. Be careful not to make it something so outrageous. It needs to be something that is challenging, but um, you know, to throw out some teacher speak for you, it needs to be in your zone of proximal learning, okay? So you're probably wondering, this goal, uh, Judy, does it have to be smart or can it be unsmart? Well, that's a good question. Um, at this point, I'm going to leave this up to you. You know, you're an adult and you know you. Some of you may cringe at the idea of making a goal SMART. You know, SMART, the acronym specific, measurable, achievable, relevant or realistic, and time bound. Um, Yet others of you may really need that kind of structure in order to flesh out your goal. What I am suggesting here today is that you use whatever will inspire you and keep you glued to this goal so that it becomes sustainable. Your goal needs to light you up and get you excited for the journey ahead. Just what I would suggest is that you use positive language that is focused on what you want, not on what you don't want. And and you can start with a challenge that is currently plaguing you and just flip that script into something very positive. Let me give you a personal example. So I've had a student who I was concerned about that had some, uh, some pretty bad antisocial tendencies. And I really wanted to find a way to help uh, develop empathy in this student without it being a lesson in social skills because, honestly, I tried it and it wasn't working since the student had a, um, had a touch of oppositional defiance. Uh, So I decided that I was going to try another approach, and um, I landed on design thinking as my way to develop perspective-taking in this student. Well, in all my students, but particularly this student. So my goal became, quote-unquote, I use design thinking in at least one unit this year in order to develop perspective over product and cultivate empathy in a context that is rigorous and fun. 
There you go. Hopefully, my personal example helps you to consider how you might create a goal statement that captures what success might look like. For me, success looks like something that is obviously cultivates empathy and is rigorous and fun. Um, the point here is that you turn any challenge or interest that you have into a statement that you resonate with, and it places the attention on your purpose for learning. When you've crafted something that makes you feel anticipation and delight, boom, that's your goal. Do that, okay? Step two, audit your knowledge. They say that what you measure, you can improve upon. We all know that good learning in our classroom begins with pre-assessment. So then the next logical step is to do an audit of what we know about this topic. Now, I'm working on a workbook right now that goes with this plan, which you can access on my website. And I definitely have a couple of exercises in there that will help you to determine your level of competence in an area. But let me give you one tool right now to help you start thinking. Um, I think this one actually comes right out of the personalized learning plan playbook that is used with students. So you might be familiar with it. It's called uh, the status, right? Uh, current status. When you begin, you simply rate yourself on a level of one to 10. Uh, one being little to no knowledge of the topic to 10 being a trainer or expert in it. So where would you put your level of proficiency and why did you rate yourself there? Um, for my example, I rated myself as a three because I had done some research, but not much, and I had attempted to use the, the design process with some success in a previous unit of inquiry. I, I think it's important to be honest with where you are and just remember that where you are today is not where you're going to be at the end of this journey. If you score low, low now, that doesn't mean that's what your score is going to be at the end. In fact, I suggest that you do status updates along the way and mark your progress towards your goal. I assure you that monitoring your growth will be affirming, uh, will be a really nice check-in that will help you develop momentum. So how will you know that you've actually acquired a level of mastery in this area unless you're taking uh, notes of it, right? You got to keep track of that. Otherwise, you're never going to really understand and appreciate your growth. When you know that you're making gains, it can be super motivating and it helps you to ins you know, inspire you to keep committed and perhaps even increase the intensity of your effort. So you will, you will really be grateful that you did this. It will really help develop your confidence. And remember, even small steps um, move you forward towards awesomeness. Step three, write questions you want answered. So now that you've done this audit, what needs to be learned begins to emerge, doesn't it? You should start writing down all the burning questions that you have about your topic or interest. Um, going back to my personal example, some of the questions I asked were, hmm, can I really teach design thinking to little kids? Ooh, how can I modify it? Um, what might design thinking look like in the early years? How might empathy be developed in the process? What exercise or approaches do I need to take in order to develop empathy in a creative context? Hmm, based upon my last experience, what part of the design process do I need to understand better to make it more successful? Can design thinking create learner agency? 
What other ways might students be empowered in the process? So there you go. Those were my questions. Now, I have to tell you, I teach um, three to five-year-olds. So you can see that a lot of my questions were framed around that context. If you are a subject specialist or you have special needs children, whatever your, your particular group of learners are, you will make it specific. Your questions are going to be specific to them, okay? Once you have formulated your list of questions, you must rank the ones that you want to pursue first. And this, my friend, leads me to our next step. Step four, build a learning ladder. This is a step in which you take your big goal and you're going to deconstruct it. You're going to bust it into little pieces of knowledge that you need to attain and the skills that you will need to develop in the process. Look at your questions. Hmm, what are the main skills and concepts that you have to master? Brainstorm the ideas and get into the nitty-gritty of what needs exploring. Have you ever heard of Pareto's Law? Uh, maybe you know it best as the 80-20 principle. This is when you try to figure out the main 20% of activities or tools that produce 80% of the results that you want. When you start deconstructing it, you're going to focus on those power punches and commit your effort to those things that matter most. So where do you think is the most important place to start with those key st skills? Well, that becomes the first rung on your learning ladder and for your transformation. Then look at it again. What do you think is the next logical step and the next? Before you know it, you're going to be climbing, right? So the point of this exercise is to start charting your trajectory. And it's really important so that you don't get overwhelmed in the process of learning. Now, you can always revise this later, but it is really important to make a sketch of your learning process. This is one of the keys of making this personalized and meaningful for you. Step five, resources needed. Who can help and what can help you? In the upcoming segments, I will share with you some free resources and training that you can use to help you in your learning. Depending upon the quality of the content, you may only want one to three true resources. If they're, if they're good resources, you don't need a lot. Um, just remember, if you scatter yourself too thin, then it will be really hard to focus. But it is useful to have a bookmarking site to pin things to when you come across ideas later. Just don't get sucked into the world of Pinterest or Pocket and Digo and not actually do the reading and deep dive into those resources. Now, people can be exceptionally helpful. If there are experts in your area of interest, then find out what methods or ideas created their knowledge. Is there someone in your school or district who has expertise and knowledge in this area? Can you invite them out and pick their brain? Look on Twitter. Are there any experts you can follow who might be posting great articles or ideas that would benefit you? Follow them. What are the chats out there around that topic? Are there any tweet ups that you can do? There might be another way to engage and learn from others online. So make sure you avail yourself of that. And, and uh, not just Twitter, but also look on Facebook. There's lots of Facebook groups. And maybe there's some that are examining the topics that you're, you're curious about. Join those groups and engage in those discussions. 
I just want to make a word of caution when it comes to social media, though. Be just, just be sure you put time limits on yourself. I know, you're an adult. But if you want to spend 10 minutes a day checking into those groups of the folks that you are following, that's fine. Just make sure you manage your time wisely. Um, personally, I, I'm, I don't have a lot of willpower, so I set a timer or I do it only when I know I have a few minutes to spend. So that way it keeps me from falling into the, the black hole and losing so much of my day and you know, getting sucked into conversation or posts on Facebook and Twitter. All right, step six, schedule your learning time. This is huge. In order for you to go from zero to 100, then you have got to take managing your time seriously. There was a great TED Talk and book written by Josh Kaufman that debunked the myth of the 10,000-hour rule. And this was uh, perpetuated by Malcolm Gladwell in his book Outliers. The truth is, it really only takes about 20 hours of focused time devoted in the pursuit of an interest before you gain competency in it. If you think about it, 20 hours is really not all that much time. But the quality of your attention during that time is extremely important. You need to have undivided attention to it. If you spend one hour a day for five weeks, you are going to see progress. Consider this your quote-unquote genius hour in which you explore your interests without any sort of pressure to produce or create something. So then think about it. Hmm, what days are you going to do this? And from what times? Put it in your calendar. Michael Hyatt, he's this uh, productivity expert, and he says that what gets scheduled gets done. So true. If you put it in your Outlook or Google Calendar and set up reminders, that helps you to make sure that you have set that time aside to work on your plan. Now, let me give you four tips for executing your plan. Number one, um, write down the theme of those learning times. Remember your calendar? Well, get it out because you need to flush out some of the details. What will be your focus? What do you wish to accomplish in those slots? You can make this as general or specific as you want. I mean, personally, I used to be more general, but now I'm very specific. For example, when I want to do research, then I have a content creation day. And I further divide that into social media, blogs, websites, books, MOOCs. If it's a social media day, then I'm on Facebook and Twitter looking specifically at what's being posted with certain hashtags or ideas um, that's being posted in groups. I'm just reading. I may, I may like or heart something, but I'm not really commenting on stuff. That's not my purpose. However, when I'm working, um, looking at blogs or um, uh, website days, I only read the online content. I have online PD days where I only go through a workshop or a course that I'm focused on. I try to be really specific and focused because I find it super helpful in getting the most amount of knowledge in the shortest amount of time. Other days, you might want to theme as planning days in which you are working on your newfound knowledge and putting it into your unit or weekly plans. I'm going to speak more about this later, but the, the idea is to have a theme to help you become more intentional with your time. Another tip is pick your place. 
Now, I haven't really spoken about the importance of privacy because it seems kind of self-evident that you are going to need some alone time to do your research and reading. I hope you have considered how important it is to be undistracted during these times. Make sure you have a special place that you can work unfettered for an hour. Sitting on the couch while your family watches Game of Thrones is not going to be your place. You need to find a place that offers you pure, unadulterated block of time in which no other things are happening other than your learning. Tip number three, gather your resources. You need to do this in advance. In fact, have everything you need ready to go when you set down to learn. If you're learning online, close on all the other tabs like your email and social media on your browser, and I always turn off my notifications. Just to have those web pages open and ready to go when you open your computer signals to your brain that it's go time. It makes such a huge difference when you're prepared to learn, then you are eager and going to accomplish a lot during that time slot. Tip number four, reflect once a week on your learning. Uh, I call this a status update. Now, you don't have to do it at the same time as your learning time. And if you don't do it every week, that's fine. But you should uh, schedule some periodic check-ins. I personally do it once uh, a week. For example, I usually spend a part of Sunday doing um, quote-unquote planning time. If you were to look at my schedule, you would see that I themed the day planning. I block off a couple of hours on Sunday, and I plan out my schedule for the week. At first, I do this planning with my husband on household things. It's like we work on our menu, and we make our grocery list. We go over our weekly expenses and and budget, all that sort of like, you know, um, housekeeping issues for our, our, our home. And then later, my husband and I, we go our separate ways to work on our personal planning for the week. Not only is this my time to work on my lesson plans, but I also plan out my personal learning for my professional growth as well. And I also um, begin this planning process with reflection. I look at my goal and I ask myself, where am I with this? And I literally set a timer for three minutes and I write about where I believe I am with uh, this goal. I um, usually think about what are my next steps, and and from there, I determine what I need to work on um, next to move me forward in achieving success on this goal. Okay, well, as you know, my verb is to empower, and I hope all this information was helpful in getting you excited for your learning possibilities. In order to cut down time, I intend to post a personal learning workbook that you can access and download from my website, judyimamidin.com. That's J-U-D-Y-I-M-A-M-U-D-E-E-N.com. Uh, So please sign up for my blog and I can send it to you, okay? Well, thanks for listening today. On our next show, I'm going to start sharing one of my favorite sources of free professional learning resources. Um, I hope you can join me next time on the Educator's Companion to PD. Thank you for listening today. There are hundreds, if not thousands of podcasts out there, and you've chosen to listen to the Educator's Companion to PD. 
can't begin to tell you how deeply moved and excited I am to be able to support you on your learning journey. So thank you. Thank you. By the way, you can find today's show notes and links to everything that was mentioned in the episode on judyimamudine.com. You can also get a copy of the professional learning plan workbook when you sign up for my newsletter. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss out on any great PD out there. As you know, us educators love getting feedback so that we know we're doing a good job. I would really appreciate if you could rate and review the podcast on iTunes. And if you found the information helpful, please be sure to share the podcast and tell a friend about it. Thanks again for listening in. I hope we get to connect in the future. Have a great week. Ta-ta for now.